Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Leanne Hunter, live in studio and broadcasting from the campus of Emory and Henry, here to welcome you to our local programming. The time is 1 o'clock. It's Wednesday, December 27th. Sure hope all of you all out there had a wonderful Christmas. Um, And it is now time for another edition of Farm Talk. This is the program that educates and answers your questions about dealing with the natural world. And if you've got questions for the host, Virginia Tech Agricultural Extension Agent Phil Blevins, you may email pblevins at vt.edu or DM the the WEHC Facebook page or give us a call at the radio station, 276-944-6933. And here for the next 30 minutes is the host of Farm Talk, Phil Blevins. Thank you, Leanne. It's good to be with everyone today, and I would echo those sentiments. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and looking forward to a new year to get plenty of things done. I thought what we'd talk about today is something that's a traditional thing in our part of the world and other parts as well, but really been a big part of the food supply in this part of the world for many years, and that's actually curing and preserving meat uh, because that's something that we traditionally have thought about this time of year and Southwest Virginia, East Tennessee, and this part of the world. And uh, generally, we think about that in terms of hams. And, you know, Virginia ham was one of the first agricultural products that was exported from North America when the colonists came here. Uh, There was a preacher, Mr. Andrew Barnaby, Barnaby, who enthusiastically reported that Virginia pork was superior in flavor to any in the world. That was in 1775. And another early clergyman, uh, Mr. John Clayton, wrote the Royal Society in England that Virginia ham was as good as any in Westphalia. So I'm sure at that time for a Brit to admit that something in the colonies was as good as what was back home was a big deal. And Virginia's been known for that uh, for many years. And country hams, though, are traditionally a southern thing, if we think about that. Some of you probably take Southern Living, and one of the gentlemen that I've been exposed to over the years that really is renowned for his country hams is Alan Benton down in Madisonville, Tennessee. He's actually a Scott County native, and he has a business down in uh, Madisonville, Tennessee, down in Monroe County below Knoxville, and actually his hams have been featured in Southern Living before. Uh, But the one that's really well known in Virginia is the Smithfield ham. Uh, We're all probably familiar with that name. And this is an aged, uh, dry-cured ham that's made exclusively in Smithfield, Virginia. Uh, The use of the words uh, Smithfield, uh, either if you say Smithfield brand or style, for example, if you said a Smithfield brand ham or a Smithfield style ham, that does not eliminate the requirement that it has to be cured in Smithfield, Virginia, over in the southeast part of the state. So it's kind of a trademark uh, part of that. And so if we think about preserving meat, uh, survival through the winters was a serious problem in the past. Uh, There's a book called The Light and the Glory uh, that's a history of the pilgrims when they came here and the first settlements in New England. And it was really a big issue for people to survive at that time because many of those that came on the Mayflower actually starved because they didn't have enough food. And meat being an important part of the food supply, there had to be some way that that could be preserved to use uh, through the winters. Now, keeping it in the winter was no problem if it was cold. But since our forefathers had no refrigeration at warm times, then that presented a problem. Some way had to be found to preserve meat. But curing meat with salt 
It's been going on for hundreds of years, dating back at least to the ancient Gauls. Uh, Salts uh, containing nitrates were used as far back as Homer's time in 850 B.C., so it's really an old technology that still has a great modern application. Uh, Early Virginians uh, cured meat with salt. And the Indians, when the first colonists came here, actually taught the colonists that smoke from wood could add flavor to the meat. Uh, And many people like smoked meat. I do, and a lot of other people do. But what the Indians would do, or Native Americans, however you wish to refer to them, uh, they would hang pieces of meat in the top of the teepee, and as the smoke from the fire in the teepee ascended through the top, then it smoked the meat. And parts of the hog, uh, such as the ham, the side, and the shoulders, have been cured this way for many years, uh, using salt as a, as a way to preserve the meat. There's some that maybe we don't think about that are really high-end types of cured meat, like prosciutto, uh, that some people I'm sure are familiar with. And this is actually a country ham product. It was, it's an Italian product from the Parma or San Daniel regions of Italy. And the ham, uh, it, to give you an idea of what the process is, it's similar to what we do in curing meat, but the ham is first cleaned, which we would do, and then salted and left for about two months. But what is different than what we do is during this time, the ham is pressed uh, gradually and carefully to avoid breaking the bone in the ham and to drain all the blood that's left in the meat. Next, it's washed several times to remove the salt, and it's hung in a dark, well-ventilated environment. One of the things you have to be careful about with preserving meat is meat is real. It's real easy for meat to pick up flavors. So, for example, if you have an interest in curing a ham, you certainly don't want to hang your ham where the lawnmower is or where a gas can is or in the cellar or something like that because it's going to pick up those flavors. Um, the surrounding air in this uh, prosciutto is really important for, to the final quality of the ham, and the best results are obtained for that product in a cold climate. And then the ham's left until it dries, and then the, hage, the ham excuse me, is aged for up to 18 months. And so those of you that buy prosciutto ham from the deli, uh, that's the process that it goes through uh, before you get it. There are other specific types of hams, like the Serrano hams from Spain, uh, the Bayonne hams from uh, France, and the Genois ham from China, and then the Westphalian ham from Germany. And so there are lots of different characteristics that these particular hams have, like the Westphalian ham from Germany actually is is spruce wood is used uh, in the process of smoking those hams rather than what we would use some type of hardwood in this country because spruces generally impart a bitter flavor and they have to be very careful in how they do that. But as I mentioned earlier, Virginia ham was one of the first agricultural products exported from North America. Of course, tobacco was the big one that was exported from Virginia, but Virginia ham was one of the first ones. And in our part of the world, and really in the United States, traditionally hogs were killed in the late fall or early winter. You know, Thanksgiving was kind of the ground zero date uh, for hog killing in this part of the world. When I was growing up, that's when the family, all the brothers were off. And so that's when everyone got together. And generally the weather was cold enough at that time to work for the curing process. And so that's been historically the time that it centered around in this part of the world. 
uh, meat that didn't lend itself to being cured in the past or in, or lend itself to the curing process in the past was eaten immediately. And so most parts of the ham or the hog that could be cured were cured or, can, or canned uh, when canning technology came along. And so shoulders, as we mentioned earlier, shoulders and hams and then the bellies uh, were cured. And the bellies where we get the bacon from. So, you know, how does this work? You know, we can refrigerate meat. Now we have refrigeration, but that doesn't last forever because there's still microorganisms that can continue to work in cool weather. It just slows down the process a whole lot. And those of you that buy product at the store, meat product, you probably look at the sell-by date or best-used-by date, and that's what's going on there is let's get it while it's best. Uh, but the primary cause of, of product deterioration with meat are microorganisms. We all know that. But it may be bacteria that are a problem. It may be yeasts that are a problem. Or it may be molds that are a problem as far as deterioration goes. And the reason salt has been used so effectively over the years and has been the primary ingredient that's used in meat curing is because it preserves or it works uh, by dehydration of the meat and reducing the, uh, and by osmotic pressure, which really inhibits bacterial growth. And so that's been the process. We could just take salt and we could cure a piece of meat and that would work fine. But there are other things that are added to that. You know, other things can be added that either accelerate the curing process or stabilize the color in the meat or modify the flavor or reduce shrinkage during the processing. And if you talk to the people around here that have traditionally cured pork in this part of the world, you'll find lots of different recipes uh, for how they wanted their hams to taste. It might include things like black pepper, or it might include other spices or seasonings that they use, red pepper maybe. Uh, and one of the things that's a Southwest Virginia thing was you adding sorghum syrup or molasses to the surface after the meat was cured uh, to give it a unique flavor. But one of the things that's used both by ham curers that do it on a private basis or for their own use in, in the industry as well is sodium nitrate and sodium nitrite. And these are very useful products that we can use in addition to sodium chloride or salt uh, to help preserve the meat. They do a couple of things. Not only do they help control bacterial growth, but they add flavor and they maintain the pink meat color that people are used to seeing. When you go to the store and buy bacon and you see that nice pink color, now that's that's part of how that's obtained. If you you could just cure meat, as I said, with salt, but it tends to have a darker color. It doesn't mean that there's a problem associated with its safety or anything, but it's just a difference in how it happens. And the sodium nitrite helps maintain that pink color. The other thing it does is it helps prevent lipid or fat oxidation, and that helps uh, prevent any uh, rancidity uh, as far as the fat goes in the meat. Now, you know, we do a 4-H ham project, or we have in the past in Washington County, where we buy hams and we let the 4-H members that are interested cure country hams. And one of the things that's unique about a country ham, you know, when we have the show and we judge those hams, is it has to have that country ham smell. Uh, we probe the ham and with a metal probe, 
and smell of that and see does it have that good country ham smell to it because it's it's unique uh, to that particular type of meat and that particular curing process. Uh, things that are other things that are added uh, to country hams, as I mentioned earlier, lots of other things are had are added usually. Uh, most people add some sh- sugar to the curing mix, you know, and, and that doesn't do anything as far as curing does, goes, but it does take off some of the harshness of the salt uh, effect in the meat. <clears throat> it gives it a milder flavor, we might say, if we do a good job of getting our mix together and of actually applying the mix to the meat. But it, it doesn't do anything as far as curing goes. It just adds flavor. Uh, and I mentioned some of those other things, like black pepper, and that's been something that people for years have used. Uh, Morton still makes a, a sugar cure mix uh, that you can buy that's already made, but uh, hopefully we'll get to, uh, before we get done here, the blend that you can make yourself that really makes a nice curing mix. So before we continue our discussion about how this process works, uh, we're going to take a little break here, and so I'll turn it back to you, Leanne. Blue Hills Community Market in Abingdon, Virginia, is a health and artisan food center that brings customers local, natural, and handcrafted foods within a shopping environment that focuses on community. Blue Hills features local produce, dairy, and meats, as well as a wide selection of bulk foods, herbs, coffees, teas, regionally canned food items, gourmet food, kitchen wares, bath and body products, supplements, and flowers and plants. Blue Hills Market, Ingredients for life. You are tuned to WEHC, and we are in the middle of Farm Talk with Phil Blevins talking about food preservation and specifically meats. DM us your messages on Facebook. And here's back to you, Phil. All right. Thank you, Leanne. We were talking about uh, (coughs) curing meat and preserving meat, particularly with a cure. And so let's look at some specifics about how to cure a country ham. Now, <clears throat> there are a lot of listeners in this area that understand this process real well, so I'm probably not going to be able to tell them much of anything about that. But uh, let's go over that. And so really to have a high-quality country ham or any kind of uh, pork, whether it be belly or whether it be uh, uh, a shoulder that we might use, Uh, We need to start out really with a high-quality piece of meat. You can't make a better piece of meat just by curing it. It has to start out as high-quality. And so if you're curing hams, you need to start with a fresh, high-quality ham or belly if you're wanting to make bacon, or as as we knew it growing up, we referred to that as streaked meat because of the way it looked with the streaks of lean in it. But the ham needs to be chilled below 40 degrees Fahrenheit before you begin. And then we need to do a trimming uh, that we need to do before we start out. And so, you know, if you're, if you're selecting hams, now if you have hogs that you're processing yourself, you're kind of stuck with what you got. But if you're buying fresh hams, uh, they need to be a good firm ham. Now, there's a, there's a uh, problem that you run into sometimes. It's not really a, it's not certainly not a food safety problem. It's more of a quality problem uh, that pork faces sometimes that the industry's tried to avoid. It's called PSC or pale, soft, and exudative, which means that the, the ham has a pale color to it and the, and the meat's kind of soft and it does lose fluid. And that's not really how you want to start. You want a really a good, firm ham. 
And they should weigh less than 24 pounds uh, or no more than 24 pounds. Now, we've cured hams that weighed up to 30 pounds, but you're really talking, and some people have cured them bigger than that, 40 pounds. Uh, But ideally, uh, especially if you're beginning, you'd want to start with one that weighs uh, 24 pounds or less. And so you can actually, you know, you can actually get on the Internet and see pictures of what these hams should look like. We have a publication called uh, Dry or Virgin, Dry Cured Virginia-style hams that does a really nice job of explaining some of the things I'm talking about. And uh, you, knowing the parts of the ham are going to help you a good bit because if you look at where the ham joins to the loin of the pig, that's called the butt face of the ham, and that's where most of the lean is. And so when we're focusing, when we're thinking about applying the curing mix to the ham, we want to focus on the lean and we want to focus on where the bones are showing. Uh, Because if you happen to get spoilage, generally it's going to be most likely to happen around the bone, either the, we refer to as the H bone or the pelvis or the shank, the leg bone. And that's where you can uh, generally, if you're going to have trouble, that's where you're going to have trouble. You you can apply some cure to the skin and the fat, but it's really, and you should, but it's really not going to absorb nearly as much of it as the lean will. I might mention this at this point, but uh, there's a breed of hogs called Berkshire that the hams from them have really become popular. They've been, uh, they're highly sought after because they are a little bit higher quality when it comes to uh Hams, they're probably a little bit hard for you to find unless you knew someone that had Berkshire hogs. But if we can, if we think about how you're going to do it, I mentioned that you could get from Morton, the people that make Morton salt, you could actually get a cure and mix that's already ready for you to use, and that might be what you want to use. But if not, uh, here is a mixture that you can use, and that is eight pounds of salt, uh, two pounds of brown sugar. And, of course, this is for flavor. And then two ounces of sodium nitride or saltpeter is another thing that you can use there. And then anything else that you'd want to add to it, if you wanted to add pepper or things like that, that would be fine. But the eight pounds of salt, two pounds of sugar, and two ounces of sodium nitride is enough to cure 100 pounds of meat. And so if you were, for example, going to cure a 20-pound ham, uh, you would need about two pounds and four ounces of that total mixture to get that done. And so when you get on, when the ham is finally cured, uh, your finished country ham should be about 4% salt. And if you were selling hams, USDA requires that all hams that are labeled shelf-stable, or in other words, they'll be, they'll, they're preserved, they'll contain at least 4% salt. But, and while more than 4% salt, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but it makes the hams taste too salty sometimes for people. And so when you're applying this cure, the salt has to come in contact with the entire surface of the ham, like I mentioned. But the areas that you have to focus on are really the lean surface areas. That's where you need to spend a lot of your time in putting it on. Uh, you need to apply some to the skin, as I said, but very little is going to be absorbed there. But the one thing you you need to focus on as well is the shank area or where the leg bone is. And you need to make sure that the shank is packed with the curing mix uh, so that it's well absorbed up around the bone, as well as around the pelvic bone or the H bone. And you're going to see that in the butt face of the ham 
and the top of the ham as you're looking at it. And there's two ways to do this. You can put half of the cure on one week if you're laying them on a shelf, which people have traditionally done, and then come back seven days later and put the other half on the ham. And so uh, during that time, uh, during that time that you've got uh, the ham on the shelf, it's going to lose a lot of fluid. And so people have had smoke houses for years. They were generally wooden shelves and wooden floors. So that wasn't a big deal. If you happen to be curing it in a place where you have a, a floor that's solid, like a concrete floor or some other type of flooring uh, that you care about whether the stuff drips on it or not, then you need to make arrangements to catch that fluid because it's going to lose a lot of fluid during that time. Another way uh, that you can do this is do the same things I said. You can use the the amount of mix that you need per 100 pounds, and you can apply all of it to the ham at one time, being careful to do the same things I said. Be sure the lean area is it's rubbed in well. Be sure the shank area is rubbed in well and the H-bone. And then wrap that ham and hang it. I know Kentucky 4-H has a ham curing project where they cure thousands of hams every year for that 4-H project, and that's how they do it. They hang it then, they wrap it and hang it with the shank down, and that's where the ham stays till it goes through the curing process, and then they take it down. Uh, and so you can either put your cure on half of it one week, half the next week, and let it cure on a table or in a tray or on a rack, or you can put all the cure that's necessary on the ham and wrap it and hang it. Now, in either case, they're going to lose a lot of fluid uh, so you need to be prepared for that. And so, uh, like I said, wooden floors uh, may not matter, but sanitation is still important. Uh, there are insects that can, in, that can be a problem with hams. Uh, but uh, just be aware of that. Uh, concrete floors with drains are good. Now, if they have metal drains in them, keep in mind that it's a salty mixture that's going down the metal drain, so you have to be prepared not to let the rust eat the drain up. And so... How long do you leave them in the cure? Well, ham should be cured for seven days per inch of thickness or a day and a half per pound of weight. So if you have a 20-pound ham, for example, you're looking at uh, 35 days or about five weeks. Now, one of the critical things during this that doesn't always happen when we cure them out in a smokehouse or something, but the temperature should be maintained at 36 to 40 degrees during this time. So a lot of people uh, will cure them in coolers. That's how we do in the 4-H project. Uh, you you want to keep it there. You know, if it's warmer than that, you can end up with spoilage. Uh, if it's colder than that, if you end up freezing the hams, that's something else, whether it's in ambient air or whether it's in a cooler. If the hams freeze, you have to add one day to the curing process for every day the ham was frozen. And remember, if it freezes solid, it's going to take it two or three days to thaw back out in a cooler. And then once we get through that curing process of five to six or seven weeks, depending on the size of the ham, then the hams are aged based on personal preference. And uh, one of the interesting things that uh, that I learned in, over the years in doing this, that you've heard of Gwaltney hams. Uh, Mr. Gwaltney is said to have had a ham that was 70 years old or 80 years old, I believe, that he carried around that he called his pet ham just to demonstrate that hams would last for a good while after they'd been preserved. Uh, 
when we get through that, when we get through that curing process, then uh, they need to be the excess needs to be cleaned off. We can soak them in cold, plain water. Now, don't wash them in soap or bleach or anything like that. Just clean them off with cold water. And let them soak there for about an hour. Uh, and the ham may have some mold on it, but that's not a food safety concern. We just clean that off because it's still safe to eat. That's not penetrated the ham. And then ideally, after they're cured, you'd wrap and hang the hams uh, to allow the mixture to equalize in the meat for about 14 days at 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And then once, uh, once that's happened, then we can age the hams uh, for as long as we see fit. Uh, some people start earlier. Uh, others uh, let their hams age for a good long time. Uh, if you want to smoke the hams, if you're going to smoke the hams to give them that smoked flavor, then that has to be done before you begin the aging process. And, uh, you know, if you're going to smoke your hams, the temperature of the smoke should be under 90 degrees when it gets to the ham. Uh, and they should be smoked for one to three days. And and you need to use a hardwood species because, as I said, if you smoked it with pine or hemlock or cedar or something like that, it could impart a bitter taste to the meat, and we certainly don't want that to happen. So there are plans for how to build a smokehouse. Once uh, we've uh, smoked the ham and aged the ham, whether that's 45 to 180 days, once we get to that process, the temperature is really not a big issue at that point because the ham's cured at that point and it shouldn't spoil. Uh, be careful where you store it. As I said, you don't want to store it where there's gasoline smell or in a cellar where it gets a musty flavor to it. But you want to be aware of some of the pests that can, that can bother hams. And rats are one of those. Uh, so you want to store it where mice and rats can't get to it. You certainly want to store it uh, you don't want to store it where the dog can get to it. Uh, and then there are other, there are some insects. Uh, the cheese skipper is one that can be a problem. Uh, the larder beetle is one of the more common ones that we see, and we can avoid some of those things uh, just by good sanitation and by keeping an eye on the meat while it's, been, while it's curing, or while it's aging, I should say, uh, so that we don't end up with those pests being a problem then. Uh, you know, once we've got that ham cured, we can wrap it in paper, uh, put it in. Some people in the past put them in flour sacks traditionally, but now you can wrap it, put it in a pillowcase, and hang it. You can buy ham stockinettes, as they're called. Uh, if you're a person that shows hams, actually hanging those hams uh, in the uh, equalizing process with the shank down actually gives a good, a good shape to the ham. And so, uh, you know, if you have questions about this, you know, feel free to give me a call. And uh, certainly we can provide you with some good information on curing hams and uh, or curing any type of pork that you might be interested in. And so, as I said, if you have questions, let me know, and we'd certainly be glad to answer those things. But I enjoyed being with you today, and thank you, Leanne and WEHC, for having me on the show today. You have been listening to Farm Talk with, with Phil Blevins, an agricultural extension agent with Virginia Tech. And he will be back next week, Wednesday at 1 o'clock, for another edition of Farm Talk right here on WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. Make sure to send your questions in, and Phil will be happy to take them for you.